0: Welcome to the Better Business, Better Life podcast. Terry DuPont is the founder of DuPont Advisory Group, a group dedicated to providing comprehensive services to successful business owners, medical, and other professionals. Terry has top-of-the-table status in the prestigious International Million Dollar Roundtable, placing him among the top one-tenth of one percent of all professional financial advisors in the world. Terry's philosophy is, I've learned that I grow and prosper more by focusing on the success of others rather than fretting over my own. Terry is a certified financial professional with the Institute of Financial Wellness, an advisor for the power of zero taxes in retirement, chartered retirement plans specialist, certified wealth preservation planner, and certified philanthropic developer. On the podcast, Terry brings together experts in their field who have succeeded in building their business to share their secrets with you. And now here's your host, Terry Dupont.
1: Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success. And I'm your host, Terry Dupont. This week we have Kim Ledger with us and uh, Kim is vice president of complex assets for RAN Inc. in Indianapolis, uh, which is North America's uh, largest independent philanthropic solutions uh, provider. In uh, Kim's role, she advises donors on charitable opportunities presented by non-cash assets, uh, such as business interest, IPO stock, private equity, hedge funds, real estate, and, 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 and business assets as well, or business interests, so, um, and artwork. So, um, since she lost the, uh, launched the, uh, the firm's, um, uh, complex asset practice, um, Kim, uh, has, uh, worked with, uh, donors, uh, seeking to donate more or, or seeking to distribute more than $1 billion in assets. Congratulations. Yeah, thank Kim.
2: you. It's actually yeah. closer to two now.
1: Yeah, or, awesome. It's actually awesome.
2: more than two, I should say.
1: Okay. Uh, And and leveraging relationships with the nation's uh, uh, leading financial institutions, uh, Mm -hmm. family offices, elite nonprofit organizations, and community foundations to ensure uh, that donors make informed and strategic gifts uh, that deliver the greatest possible value for the charities, for the donors themselves, and their families. Uh, Before joining Wren in 2016, uh, Kim spent two decades uh, providing wealth management services to customers of Indiana banks. So, mm-hmm. Kim, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure Kim. to be here.
1: Oh, we, we we appreciate having you on. So, yeah, your pleasure. Yeah, uh, t- uh, Kim, I've got a lot of a background and uh, in experience in, in philanthropic uh, uh, endeavors, and but I don't think our our guests probably do. Um, sure. So, how did you get started uh, working in complex assets?
2: Well, probably a lot like what you did in your business. You know, working in the private banking um, service services, you know, became familiar with the philanthropic um, aspect of it. But um, in my last two years, um, the every new account that I brought in was a, was a business owner that was selling their business. So mm-hmm. going through that exit. You know, uh, Terry, do you remember that book in 2007, the the trillion dollar opportunity? Um, it was it was a big book at the time. I did a lot of of reading and looking at how I could help business owners as they were exiting. All so right. um, I don't know. I was just at a point in my career where I wanted something different. Learned about rent and said that's what I want to do. And so when I started here, it was a little in a little different role, but. Um, You know, building on my experiences uh, as a wealth advisor and and clients leaving their businesses. um, And I was getting calls from advisors who were asking about um, advisors, hey, I have clients who are selling their businesses, and can they give this to a donor advice fund before they sell? And so I was getting more of those. So I Mm -hmm. raised my hand and I said, hey, I think we need to, to start a division that's really dedicated to this and focuses on it. So mm-hmm. the year before we started that division, we only did four complex assets. So a complex asset is really any non-marketable security that you would give to um, charity. So mm-hmm. um, that's how I got started. And I had a lot to learn. I had a great base, but I had a lot to learn. And I had some great people along the way that, I, that helped.
1: I found in my uh, experience that you know, a lot of charities uh, don't want to right. take or receive certain assets uh, because of the complexity of them and, and how to manage them and how to sell them, et cetera, et cetera, especially real estate. And
2: exactly.
1: what would you say is the biggest challenge you faced working with complex assets at REN?
2: Yeah, it was, I would say probably, um, well, Every single one is different and that's, to me, that is both the beauty of complex assets and it can be the the biggest challenge. Um, Personally, I like that every day it's something different. Every family is different. Every business owner is different. Every organization is different. And I like that, Um, but I would say too, as we've grown tremendously is being able to scale Something like that, and be able to serve as many clients as we do, and, and advisors that we do on an annual basis is um, requires just a great amount of of teamwork and communication internally, and um, you know making that a smooth process because it, you know most many uh, it's getting less so now, but especially as we first started, a lot of the advisors it was their first time to ever do that to ever go through that process. So I saw myself, um, really, you know, ushering people through that and making it as simple as you possibly can for a complex asset.
1: Right.
2: (laughs) But having the experience and, um, the confidence to go through it, you know, look, I've seen this, something similar, and I know how to get through that, um, has been helpful. So, um, like I said, it, the, the biggest challenge is also its greatest blessing is that yeah. everything is different.
1: <laughs> so how do you think you became, uh, you know, an expert at what you do in this business?
2: Yeah, I have this wonderful um, mentor at work, uh, Greg Baker. And Greg has been in this specific industry since I think he graduated from law school. He is our EVP of legal and compliance on the Ren side, and then on our charity side, he's the president. And um, so he's a tax attorney um, by education. And so I had the privilege of, ha- continued to have the privilege of working uh, with Greg Baker. So as we were designing you know, our processes and procedures, and I was, I was learning more about it, um, that's a nice thing about when you start something at the ground floor, you're growing with it. And you mm-hmm. continue to grow where if somebody was coming in now, they they'd have to have a much higher um, skill set than I probably started with. <laughs> but I had um, Greg Baker there to to teach me. And you know what we have weekly every the more you you do one, you learn something every single time. Right. Um, I'm going to continue to learn. I had something new hit my desk today that I would never considered before. Um, so that's something I'll um you know in a short amount of time I'll become very well versed in um but then we also have meetings every tuesday mornings where it's almost like a i don't know what to call it a book club but it's a, like a study group where we get together and and um and we all present on on information not because our necessarily the people in our group need to hear it but if you present that information you've had to learn it right yes. like you like when you're learning something new and to the best way to learn it is to present it. So that's been I, Greg's 100%. philosophy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh,
1: why would you say what you do is important?
2: Oh, because those dollars by the time we're done, um, this has been, I've had many, many rewarding years um, in the industry. Love it. And this has just been like the capstone of my career because I get to see people take these non-cash assets and really fuel their passion for particular causes. I've got one that is just a fantastic story, and I'm gonna use her name because it was all it was in newspapers. So Mitzi Purdue was um, the the wife of Frank Purdue, you know, the chicken magnet Frank mm-hmm. Purdue. Mm-hmm. So back I want to say in the eighties, he funded the um the oh like when you um invested in the in the group that went out and brought up the sunken treasure, the Atocha, and it was off the coast of Florida. They brought up the Spanish galleon, the Atocha, and there was all this treasure in it. Most of it he gave away, but he kept this emerald ring and he had an engagement ring made for Mitzi Purdue in the eighties. And so um, she had that ring for years. And every time that she looked down at at that ring, that's what she would see. When the, Frank died a number of years ago, but when she saw um, the need in, in the Ukraine, she was really moved by that. She spent time over there and she looked at what can I do to help? And so she donated that ring to her donor advice fund. Uh-huh. We sold that through Sotheby's for $1.2 million. And she <laughs> has made such a significant difference in the Ukraine. She's actually pretty famous uh, for the work that she's been doing and in a variety of ways. Um, so that's I've seen clients who have um, put their we're putting their life on the line, getting relief um, to to refugees. And when he went to sell his business, then he made sure that he he made a gift to his donor advice fund prior so he could continue to support, um, you know, the people, the charities that were making those efforts happen. And then there was this grandpa that I worked with, Terry, who was a, um, an advisor. And he said, oh, I love these donor advice funds. He said, you know, Kim, I set one up myself. And he said, I had told my grandkids one year, hey, Um, you're each going to, going to do a presentation on your favorite charity. You're going to bring it. We're going to present it. Everybody's going to present on it. And then we're, I'm going to vote. We're going to all vote. And then I'll, I'll make a gift to that charity. And he said, it was so powerful as he went around. He said, um, kids from the age of like seven to 17, they had the best time. And he said, you know what, Kim, I learned a lot about my grandkids that Mm-hmm. and now of course what do you think happened terry he uh, he said and we're going to give to them all <laughs> okay. so every charity got it but he was so moved by that that it, it right. was um um it was just a really cool story so i love i love telling that yeah.
1: uh, that's so all. that's
2: why it's important
1: both good stories yes um, yeah you know, having spent uh, two decades providing wealth management services to uh, customers of Indiana banks um, before joining uh, REN, how has your previous experience contributed uh, to your current role?
2: Yeah, it's gave me a great foundation understanding, you know, what families, um, wealthy families are um, are looking at from the, what their own assets are and why the the philanthropic piece play how that plays into it um and understanding how it all works together and because if you're i mean a lot of times for a lot of people they're um they're going to give to charity so let's look at for the most cost-effective tax-efficient way to make that happen
1: okay okay um how do you and your team um Stay updated on the latest trends and developments uh, in the world uh, of complex assets. Uh, and how does Ren adapt to uh, its strategies to stay uh, ahead uh, of this in this d- dynamic field?
2: Mm-hmm. There are a lot of organizations that we that um, I know I follow for me specifically um, because the majority of the um, clients that are making gifts to of complex assets, I find a lot of them are going through exits and so following the M&A market is really important um, and keeping up to date of uh, like last year we saw as well I guess it would be 2022 now after the first quarter we saw a significant decrease in the M&A activity so you know looking at that and you and we saw where it was going so we began to really focus more on alternative investments so becoming, putting, getting our team in a position to where we could do that quickly. Uh, well, I say quickly, um, have a nice process for accepting and investing in alternatives. And that was a real game changer for us in 2023 and the end of 2022.
1: You, you um, were able to expedite things or streamline. Uh,
2: yes. Yes. We weren't afraid of them. Um, the team. You, you've probably are familiar with those subscription agreements that are hundred pages or so uh give or take um and so getting the team comfortable with being able to complete those and answer those questions and and um making it simple for our donors and advisors to go through that because those, um especially if we're working with a hedge fund manager it can be a, a really complex uh process because there's a lot to go through um, but then also you know keeping up to date with all of the tax rules some of the proposed legislation now we've already, we've been uh, preparing comments uh, with the IRS regulations, um, et cetera. But yeah. So it's a constant job to keep up with everything.
1: Yeah. You made a comment I want to ask about and, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, and, and philanthropy is a great way uh, for people to benefit charities and themselves and their families while they're alive. Uh, But is also, uh, as i have found over the decades uh, an incredibly uh, awesome um estate planning tool okay
2: yes.
1: and so lately we've been having some conversations about uh, you know with some of our clients about what's going to happen to the lifetime estate exemption yeah and, and, it, and this year it went to 13 plus million per yeah. person um, and with, with the dire need that our country has for tax revenue and the fact that, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're putting stuff on the credit card like drunk sailors, uh, our country is, um, mm-hmm. what, what is your opinion uh, and what, what, what will happen uh, with the lifetime exemption for estate taxes?
2: gosh, you know, that's a great question. Cause it, that's what 2025, the end of next year that, so we've got a, a couple of years and, um, it's a conversation we've been having internally is what can we do to help? And I think we're going to see, uh, like a lot more prom notes that's, <laughs> yeah. um, as a way to get things out. But, um, you know, it, I've been in the business a long time and it's, Sometimes you see it go up. Sometimes you see it go down. I I don't know what to think about this one.
1: Yeah. Um, I, 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 when I started in, uh, in this business in 19, in my business in 1979, this, the uh, lifetime exemption per person was $600,000.
2: Yes. Same here. It was, I was going to say mine was, it was, it was
1: 1987
2: for me when I got started, but yeah, it was $600,000. So to think that it's, that's almost a rounding error um, now, because <laughs> it's combined twenty seven point two, I believe. So yeah, it's it's significant. Um, you know, that's a good question. It'll be interesting to see what. Ha- it's an election year this year, so I don't think we'll anything will happen now. But it'll be interesting to see what happens next year.
1: Kim, what advice would you give to individuals or businesses? Uh, considering donating non-cash assets for charitable purposes based on your extensive experience um, in this space or donating?
2: Mm -hmm. I would say um, as early in the process, if you're considering selling your business, begin having those conversations. Um, I can't tell you how many times we get calls and it's like we're closing in two weeks and it's... The IRS has some real clear guidelines. Well, I shouldn't say that it's clear; it is anything but clear.
1: They're clear as mud. What I
2: was saying: <laughs> this assignment of income doctrine says, "Hey, if you're if they, if this gift is all but certain to occur, then it's an assignment of income. So you want to make sure that there's still some risk that and some points of negotiation. So the earlier you can get it done, the better." Um, you can at least get through the approval process because there is um, I think what people don't always understand is that when you're making a gift to um, a donor advice fund of a private private um, company, is it, the, the donor advisement fund is coming in as a shareholder.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: they have a due diligence process and a fiduciary responsibility to check out the company. So you're going to have to provide some of those due diligence documents. So just planning for all of that and whether you actually make the gift or not, if there are lots of reasons that it doesn't always work, it doesn't work out. So lots of things. Um, But making sure you get through that due diligence process, having it approved so it's ready when you are, it is just, I think it would be really helpful.
1: I couldn't agree more. Uh, and I, I tell clients and prospective clients, I say, look, if you're looking to reduce taxes uh, on anything, whether it's the sale of a business or, or real estate mm-hmm. that, or anything that has a capital gain, for instance, and, and there's a lot of strategies, you know, there's yes. philanthropic stra- strategies and there's non-philanthropic st- strategies. Right. And I, I tell them, I say, look, when, when somebody signs on the dotted line, most of those st- strategies are irrelevant now, you know, yeah. uh, and so... Uh, you need to do some planning, uh, for taxes yes. long before you have a buyer or. Yes. Too deep. So, uh,
2: yeah, especially if you want to do some family, some estate planning and the charitable planning, those are often things you want to do in two different years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is something, you know, now that you wish you knew when you started?
2: Oh, when I started in complex assets. Yeah. Um, Or or anything
1: about the philanthropic uh, arena?
2: That I wish I had known. um, Oh, gosh. um, That I wish I had known. Um, I would say... um, I wish I had known how exciting it is. Ah, there you go. I probably would have started a lot sooner. But it is... It's an adrenaline rush, you know, when there's you know you're getting to closing and documents have to be signed and reviewed and and there's some negotiated negotiating that's going on on usually it's on language and documents not on anything that's it's just it can be a lot it's a lot of fun yeah i'm having the best time it's the most perfect uh capstone to my career i could have ever imagined
1: it's not work if you love it right
2: i know (laughs) <laughs> well, it, there are it days it feels like work. <laughs> Ask me yeah, in December. <laughs> <done>. <laughs> December, oh my gosh, it is. it does feel like work, but it's so exciting. It really is.
1: Yeah, that's when a lot happens, right? At, uh, yeah,
2: I would, at least 60% of the gifts are completed in the month of December.
1: Kim, how do you define success?
2: You know, I would say that is from when I well the stories I told you when you know that there's there's an impact and you hear back about that impact that that you get to be a, a small part of of some of those things, I that's absolutely success. Um, and another form of success is when an advisor calls back and says, "Hey, we're going to do this again with a different client." Then I find that uh, you know they become. Uh, good friends because you've done some business together and helping advisors to um, really differentiate themselves in the market. I love that. I love repeat business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, looking ahead, Kim, uh, what do you see uh, as the future trends or emerging uh, opportunities possibly in the field of uh, philanthropy, particularly concerning uh, non-cash assets?
2: Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see you know, as the wealth um, has increased, you know the the they're more um, ultra high net worth clients today than ever before, mm-hmm. and so I think we're going to see um, the growth of the family office, whether it's through the multifamily office or the single family office. I think we're going to um, see significant growth there, which will just naturally lend itself to a lot more non-cash assets. Yeah. Um, right. they, they don't invest the same as um, uh, average people like me. They invest in private investments and alternative investments. And so, um, and I think we'll see more prom notes and we'll see uh, tax credits and other, other kinds of interesting things that you don't, um, that maybe haven't been as prevalent in the past.
1: Okay, interesting. Um, is there anything that you wish to share, Kim, uh, that we haven't talked about yet?
2: Um, I mean, donor advice funds continue to grow. Let's hope that the IRS doesn't mess that up uh, with the regulations. <laughs> Can't count on that, but there's a lot of people. Um, it makes such a difference. You know, I, I guess that's that's what I would say is that, Um, It's a, it's just a great way. Oh, and the other thing is with the family offices, especially um, that I think I've changed my mind on a lot since I began in the donor advice fund world is a lot of time. there was a time when I guess we would, we were looking at this, at like DAFs versus foundations, private family foundations. And what I've learned is that there's really a place for that family foundation and that there's a place for both, both the family foundation and the donor advice fund. And there are reasons to have both um, for um, depending on the size of the family um, Mm -hmm. and and the size of the gifts and what the purpose of of that family foundation is. So um, I think that was a surprise to me and something that I've learned um, as well.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, with, with the success that you've had at Wren, uh, what do you see as your biggest challenge now?
2: Scaling. (laughs) Continue (laughs) to keep up with the, with demands and, um, find another me. I need another me.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe we can, you can clone one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That would be fantastic. I don't know that everybody else would think that was so fantastic. Yeah.
1: I agree. No, everybody that knows me, though, I, we don't need another Terry.
2: <laughs> I can be a little intense. I know. Yeah. But, um, it, it helps. But yeah, I would say scaling is just keeping I up say, with the demand.
1: Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, don't think yeah. I've had that one before. So, um, yeah. Kim, your contact information and everything like that is at the bottom of the screen and, okay. and in the material that's included with the uh, with this uh, podcast. Um, but is there any other is there a particular way that you would uh, uh, suggest that our audience contact you if they want to learn more?
2: I would say email is probably, probably the best way. And then we can get if if we want to talk, we can always um, schedule a time. I just find that to be the most efficient use of time is okay. is scheduling calls.
1: OK, well, great, Kim. It's, it's been wonderful visiting with you. Uh, This will be be a great episode. I I know, Um, you know, everybody out there that's uh, watching this episode, uh, thanks for uh, stopping in today and uh, listening to Kim. And uh, you know, again, this is better business, a better life, building on your success. I'm your host, Terry DuPont. And remember, the best way to protect predict the future is to create it. And it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark back next week. See you then. Take care.
0: This has been the Better Business, Better Life, building on your success podcast. If you have questions about creating tax-free wealth and income, forward-looking tax mitigation, strategic risk mitigation, wealth preservation and legacy planning, and advanced financial management, go to dupontadvisory.com or email terry at com. 49 faces look to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.